coming from a sports uh, background, failure was one of those things where if you had enough failures, success would come. And then like being an engineer, one of the first things you do when an airplane lands is you look for something that's wrong with the aircraft. That's your job. Your job is to make sure that the aircraft is safe. And by making sure that the aircraft is safe, you're actually looking for something that's broken on it so you can fix it so the airplane can get back up into the air. Peter, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, I'm constantly blown away, man, by, you know, like we caught up once in person, then we had this this digital communication. Now we're doing a podcast. Like the pace of life is fast, eh, bro? Even how you like make connections now, it's fast. You know, back in the day to chat with people, you had to like, I don't know, dig a hole together, hang out <laughs> together, drink cover together. But now... You know, what do you make of this world, bro? Is it going too fast or do you like the pace of everything? Um, for, I think uh, I'm one of those people that's quite a mix. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of one of those people where sometimes I'll be the extreme end of an extrovert and then I'll, I'll re- uh, retreat back into the introvert that's somewhere deep down, buried deep down inside. So I, I, I kind of like the pace. Uh, when it suits me, and then when it gets too much, I think I retreat into my little. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be around anyone. Kind of. Yeah, so yeah it's and, a balancing act. Yeah, bro, it sure is, and it feels like a balancing act, eh? In today's world, you know, it feels like we're, yeah. you know, like the one thing that amazes me is we're talking about mindfulness and being in the moment, and there's nothing like being in the moment than COVID. It is only the yeah. moment. Now everyone's like, ah, I don't want to be in the moment. I want to go back to when I could project forward and pretend things were endless. And I think it's like one of the things I've been working out is just what lens we see things through. Um, Mm. When you said that you kind of, I guess, are trying to find that balance and work out, you know, what's too fast, what's not fast enough. Is that something that you think that, our ancestors have always been doing like does your family has your family i guess all of our families have always done that right always changed always kind of i don't know what i'm trying to say bro it just feels like at the moment you know even the story you told when i first met you you know for 50 years people who had your job had that job for life yeah and maybe we should talk a little bit about that but before we do it's like change you know we're, we're constantly we're constantly changing yeah it's a real interesting yeah. one mm. yeah and i think you know if you look, we looked at our ancestral and our, our background if we go back to our heritage I was, I was funny enough i was talking to someone in the weekend about our, our ancestors when they voyaged you know they didn't just pick up uh, their baskets and stack uh, uh, stock up the canoe and just sail like they sailed with the seasons, you know, like uh, when a certain f- a tree was flowering and the currents and the tides were the right, were, were right, they'd set sail. Not like today, you know, you want to go somewhere, you jump on the boat, start up the engine, and you sort of just weather the storm and hope, hope to God you get from point A to point B. <laughs> whereas, whereas in the past, if you, if you study uh, navigation, you know, and... Um, um, the early ancestors, you know, the Polynesians and Micronesians, uh, um, the Melanesians, when they circumnavigated the Pacific, 
they traveled only during certain times of the year. It's seasonal, right? Um, when I was growing up, I was studying social science. Mm. And I learned about the trade winds. And I wondered, now in my in my 30s, I, I understand what the trade winds mean. It's because during a certain time of the year, those winds blow from from a certain direction across the island. So that means people would trade with those winds. They they didn't just set sail and go, all right, let's hope to God we go and land on this set of islands. They they knew that every time these winds came through, it'll carry them to that place. So I think, you know, if we talked about moving, you know, and our in our our history and our ancestors, I think it's taught us now to move with the seasons. I mean, you look at the Puhutakawa trees, you know, they're about to flower. That tells us that, um, you know, it's almost Christmas, it's almost summer, the kinners are going to be, you know, ready for the picking, and that means that the kinners are ready for the picking, that means some we're going to get some fish, big fat fish, you know, ready to catch. You know, we don't need a calendar, and we don't we don't just go, go out at any time we want, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really taught us how to really be in sync with, with the here and the now. And it's and a mixed match, right? That's right, bro. And, you know, I couldn't help but think when you were talking that we get locked in our rooms and we we don't even look at, we can't even feel the wind, you know, or the wind is yeah. a heat pump, you know, and it's easy to see when you talk like this why it gets so confusing because you're not yeah. actually able to calibrate on this other language, right? It's outside of the spoken language. It's like this. Yeah. And and I think that's what's so fascinating about looking back into the past is, you know, we might think we're so we have all of the things now and look at the internet and we can do all this stuff, but we're definitely we paid the price, right, of giving up some of that, um, giving up some of those just those those truths. And I guess that's why I like when I heard that you had a carver business. I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a we can talk about all the fancy iPhones, but at the end of the day sit down, have a carver. There's another language being spoken. How, how did you start your carver business, bro? Oh, that's, that's a funny thing. Uh, so COVID came around, uh, you know, I, you know, sitting around trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to pivot? How am I going to pivot with everything that's happening around me? And got in touch with uh, some of the cousins back home in Fiji. You know, they're, they're sort of like, Hey Peter, can you help us? Uh, you know, the market's quite concentrated here. Uh, the middleman is is ripping us off every time we go to the market. You know we're not getting our our fair share of of the of uh, our produce. So I said, oh look, uh, let me see what I can do on this side or oh, New Zealand. You know, there's a market for it here. I'll try and figure out a way I can sell your product produce here. So it started off as an idea where I could help uh, my cousin and some of the farmers on the island he lives in mm-hmm. or lives on. Um, yeah, and it started as that, you know, purely a social enterprise where they'd give me um, like a small batch of kava, they'd ship it over uh, Korea, obviously do all the bio stuff. It'd land here and then I'll just try and sell it at the, at the rate that it was going for here. And about 90% of all proceeds went back to my cousin and the farmer. So it started off that way and then next minute... Um, I found myself starting up a Shopify account, <laughs> e-commerce, and then, uh, you know, kind of made it a bit more uh, sort of, uh, you know, professional looking. And then it kind of just has, has sort of grown a leg of its own. And now I've got people asking me if I can sell all sorts of produce on that on that website. Wow. Um, 
so yeah, it's 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 grown from cover to to now artists uh, wanting to sell some of the artwork on it. Um, now I'm talking to some people from Samoa and Tonga about selling some of their uh, crops, some of the uh, um, artwork, uh, home decor stuff, jewelry. So yeah, just sort of now it's turning into something like a Amazon of the Pacific. If you, wow. if, uh, yeah, bro, that's but an awesome slowly, tagline. Slowly. Put that on the the Amazon <laughs> of the Pacific. Um, <laughs> Look, look, I think because we just jumped straight in and I I heard your story. So soon we'll go to a little break. And when we come back, I think let's just start like firstly, you know, after the break where I found you. So we were talking about your stuff within New Zealand and then the COVID thing happened. And so stay with us, everybody, because it's a one heck of a story and it's only just begun. But before we go to break, like Carver in itself and uh, uh, the artwork you're talking about, isn't it interesting that the commerce is dealing with very human things? It's dealing with the, uh, we talked a little bit about the unspoken language. I feel like that's yeah. what's coming through, right? What we can't explain, we're, we're able to process it through our traditions and through our mm. artwork. And, and, you know, these are one of the, like the, what do they call them? The silver linings, eh? You know, like yeah, yeah. We, we never would have taken time to sit down and think that these things are important, but now with COVID, everything's important, right? Oh, definitely 100%. And I think mm-hmm. COVID's allowed us to uh, make the connection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, connectivity is allowing people, uh, you know, those who are entrepreneurial enough to actually uh, uh, create opportunities, you know, uh, if you're if you're asleep, you know, um, if 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 you're coming out of COVID and you know you haven't identified an opportunity, it was never. There's a saying I read, you know, it was never, it was never time, it was never time that you had. It was discipline that you didn't have. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of time on our hands. We know we've been in a couple of lockdowns, sitting out at home. You know, you're trying to figure out a way to pivot, trying to figure out a way a way out of this, and. Um, yeah, I think I think connectivity has allowed us to reconnect with the land. It's allowed people to sort of go, "Hey, look, how can I make a living uh, through the use of internet?" I mean, back home in Fiji, um, you know, two industries got got stung. You know, the um, tourism industry and aviation. And if you look at an island like Fiji, you know, if tourism goes, half of your half of half the islands unemployed or and especially in the tourist sector, right? And then aviation, you've got a whole bunch of pilots, engineers, flight attendants, flight attendants, especially for my hometown and my side of the country. So when those two industries went down, there's not a lot of cash flow in the economy. So what started was the barter system. Like people went back to bartering and they didn't, they, they didn't do it the old fashioned way. They did it through Facebook and internet and connectivity so that was an interesting take on how things have sort of um you know we've had a a sort of a remix of the past the present and the future sort of all in one now it's it's uh, look i was gonna say it's crazy it's kind of not it's just normal way because that's how for most of time people live like this they didn't have the certainty or the the veil of certainty like we have now right we we want the certain and it's taking us a lot of 
mental energy to get over ourselves because it's just like we're we're in the moment and that's all we've got because we've only got each other and it's a scary yeah. prospect but man it's awesome stay with us everybody peter stay with us we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about this this journey you've been on um yeah let's take a break and back in just one tick Okay, so we set it up a little bit, brother, about, um, look, this journey, where do we start? I guess let's start with what you were doing just before COVID. And, and, okay. and if you would take us down that, that, you know, that journey, it feels like a million years ago, but for you, it probably, it was only a matter of months ago. What's, yeah. what's the setup? You had this job for life, apparently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think to to tell the story, I'll have to go a, a bit further back. My journey to New Zealand, uh, I came to New Zealand, uh, studied uh, aircraft engineering, uh, you know, and like most island boys, had a crack at, at playing rugby in Christchurch, um, Maris Albion, shout out to the boys at Maris Albion in Christchurch. So, you know, and then sort of, you know, realized that rugby wasn't going to take me far. So, you know, stuck it out with uh, engineering, uh, studied aircraft engineering. And um, I uh, got offered apprenticeship, did my apprenticeship with Air New Zealand. Uh, so what would have normally taken about five years, sort of did uh, back then we did it in about three years. And if you did your unit standards quick enough, you had an opportunity to sort of uh, finish a bit early. So with that, I managed to sort of uh, travel a little bit and I traveled overseas, contracted, uh, worked overseas, traveled around the globe a bit, uh, and I did a couple of small stints in, on oil rigs and I did about two stints there and then uh, sort of traveled uh, in Europe predominantly, uh, a bit in, in America. Um, and one of my stints, I, I worked at Airbus, you know, where they make airplanes, you know, and um, I had the opportunity to be part of a team that rolled out uh, A380s, the big double-deckers. Um, so that was when I was living in France for a bit, and then I got to learn and understand how to sell airplanes and support the, 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 the selling process of airplanes, you know, like, you know, when you buy a new car, they've got to um, help you with uh, warranty, maintenance, upgrades. So I did that with the, with the airplane on a bigger scale. Came back to New Zealand and I uh, came back to New Zealand back in 2011 and then decided I was going to uh, study. And I studied, uh, did a double degree in economics and international business. Did a complete Damn. switch <laughs> went from engineering to, and studied business. And it was at that point where I, I realized that I was going to go into a more commercial part of my career. So within in New Zealand, I was constantly uh, looking for uh, opportunities. And just before COVID, I was fortunate enough to be part of a, um, the Air New Zealand um, learning team where we sold uh, um, a lot of learning uh, and training to pilots and engineers and flight attendants, not just in New Zealand, but in the region and in the Australasia Pacific, you know, in so I was, I was doing a lot of strategy work, uh, business development, um, a lot of sales, marketing, that sort of stuff. COVID hit, um, kind of the writing was on the wall. So I decided, you know what, I've, over the last 20 years, I've, I've built a, a pretty good career. I've filled my, uh, my, my toolbox with the right sort of skill set. I've done, done quite a bit, uh, time to go out on my own. And that's when I kind of just went out and started, um, started with that entrepreneurial gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to helped out with the Kazis back home in Fiji with the uh, Kava uh, and then did my own and then 
sort of restarted this business consultancy work I was doing uh, back in 2017. Uh, when you're at New Zealand, you, you pick up a lot of skills. It's like uh, when you're on the floor, you know, you do project management, program management, uh, you do lean, agile. So all these certificates, you, you, all these qualifications you pick up, you don't realize how skilled you are until you leave the, that, that uh, little institution. So while I was at New Zealand, I used to uh, moonlight as a, as a consultant, you know, helping small manufacturing firms do agile and lean. So back in 2017, I did a couple of little gigs as a consultant. And 2020 came, I put my hand up, took redundancy, took my egg, uh, exit package. And then, um, yeah, went one hundies on, on this uh, business consultancy gig. <laughs> and, uh, and on the side, uh, obviously running the social enterprise with the cover business and the, the online store. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's sort of the journey I've been. It's been a, an out of it journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and, 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 and we're still in it, eh? That's the thing, oh, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's fun talking to you when you're Steve Jobs and you've, you know, you've grinning yeah. the, the Amazon <laughs> of the Pacific, but we're still in it, you know. That's the yeah, crack up thing for still me. Hustling, still hustling, yeah. still grinding, and uh, yeah, no, but it's been good. It's been good, and you know, like the the good thing about it is the studying hasn't stopped. Mm. Like I'm doing a dissertation right now, and hopefully next year, if uh, you know, if I'm not too lazy and I, I keep the same passion, I I I, I take up a I take up a role. It's been an, an invitation, a pathway program into like a PhD research. Wow. So I get to I get to uh, you know carry on with that if um, if all goes to plan this year I finish a few things that I'm supposed to finish nice. <laughs> so yeah that's that's been quite good and I I get to do that but um, yeah it's interesting it's interesting mm. uh, get to run my own business uh, you know get to do the social enterprise and I get to study and and do a bit of research and yeah. it's funny the amount of doors that open up when you know you talk to someone but oh I'm doing a research. Uh, and I get to interview a couple of execs, uh, a couple of board members uh, mm. in the corporate field, a couple of EV board members. So that's that's really cool, man. And and there's something in there too that we kind of skip over, which is like it's interesting when opportunities come up. But you know, like I think we sit down and we're like, I analyze what's happening, and some people think why are opportunities not coming my way? And then other people maybe don't see an opportunity when it's there. And it's a real tough thing to, because, you know, we, I think, you know, and I will just say gently that let's say people from the Pacific, we do, well, I think the goal to move to somewhere like New Zealand was to have a secure life. You know, we didn't have to run the yeah. risk of running out. And I yeah. know that's what my grandmother and my mum, their goal was we got the house, you know, now we can send, now we can bring the family over and we do all that stuff. I always say to her, my mum, I'm like, you know, what you created was someone like me who you allowed the ability to dream big. I don't know what to do with that, mum. You know, you had a clear path, which was like, make it better than um you know what it was like for you but when i really talked to her life was pretty cool for her you know so there's this whole i'm like you know there's mental health things now mum and everyone's kind of struggling with meaning yeah, and yeah. it's not so obvious where we all belong and she's like ah oh, you'll work it out you know and i'm <laughs> like yeah we will but there's it's i'm trying to work out and maybe i'll ask you this how do you catalog an acceptable level of risk you know so let's say for example you're someone who's got an idea yeah 
and I and an opportunity presents itself. When do you decide? Like, were you pushed by COVID to do it, or were you already kind of thinking, "I got to do my own business"? Um, I think there's it's it's two things, right? Uh, the first thing is. You know, people always say, "Oh, Peter, you're you're a Jamie, you're, you're a Jamie guy." You know, you're you're quite lucky. You're always landing on your feet. You always seem to be. And I always say, "Well, it's not luck. It's um, it's when preparedness meets opportunity. You've got to be prepared, and when an opportunity comes, you got to pounce onto it and latch onto it." And you know, if you heard me talking about my career the last twenty years within New Zealand, you know, working overseas. I didn't realize I was, I was preparing uh, myself and I, I was kind of uh, putting, uh, getting my Batman uh, belt, super belt ready, you know, because I didn't realize COVID had and I had that utility belt, you know, that Batman has, you know. So I think that's the whole being prepared for an opportunity. And the other one is, is being optimistic, but evenly balancing out with being a realist. And there's something called the Stock, Stockdale Paradox. It talks about prisoners of war, you know, p- people who, who survived uh, p- uh, war camps, prisoners who survived war camps. And there's this, this uh, book called the Stockdale Paradox where the prisoner, he talks about how he survived the war, right? You know, if you're one of those prisoners that went into, the, like, say, World War II, you go into prison quite early in the war and you're like, you you got no idea when the war is going to end. So you've got a level of optimism like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, the war is going to end next week. The the Allied troops are advancing, you know, from Normandy and we, we, we don't know how far, but it's going to end. And those that were so optimistic, they kept wishing that so from week to week. Eventually, over a period of time, they lost hope and gave up and didn't survive the, 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 the prison, you know, been a prison of war. Whereas those uh, Stockdale, the Stockdale paradox talks about how uh, the prisoner of war was able to balance out being optimistic and and being real about being a realist. So that was sort of the thing that the two things that I always sort of look at in this opportunity was when COVID came, I saw an opportunity, and I was very, you know, talking to my wife and, and the family and friends, the support group I had. You know, I was, you know, it was there's a, a lot of um, realism. You know, like I looked at the, and the writing was on the wall, you know, um, aviation wasn't going to survive that long without without uh, numbers traveling. And, you know, and then the economy, the numbers just kind of just spoke to me and I sort of just went, you know what, I'll take, I'll take my chances and I'll go with it, you know. So that was just me sort of, you know, that's my spin on it, like those, those, those two particular scenarios. Yeah. And what was that conversation like with your wife? You know, when you were, was it something like, you know, like, what did you say? Hey, sweetheart, I'm thinking of uh, handing in my resignation during a worldwide pandemic. Oh, um, actually, she was actually quite, quite supportive of it. You know, she, we sat down, you know, we've, you know, we'd always talked about this, you know, uh, uh, when I, about, when I, and back in 2011, when I decided I was going to do this business study, you know, she supported me throughout the whole thing. And, mm. and I kept saying, oh, one of these days, I'll, you know, I'll climb the ladder. When I go to an executive role, you don't have to work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was the dream. That was sort of um, the sort of the goal we'd set for ourselves. You know, I don't have to, you, I can be a stay-at-home mom and you can do, you can do that uh, earn a big paycheck. Mm. But when COVID came, um, you know, the opportunity was there and it's like, hey, look, you know, you've always dreamt of running your own business. You wanted to do this thing. 
you know, we've set ourselves up all right. You know, she had, um, she had, she had got herself a, a contract, a second contract to sort of uh, bring in a second income. So that was for us, that was, we kind of were, were lucky in a way, but in saying that um, my wife was equally or even more, more qualified than me. She sort of was able to get a lot of those, uh, those, you know, take up her opportunities and use her qualifications to sort of set us up for that opportunity really. Yeah, man. So yeah, she was, she was my, she was, uh, she was right in my corner back in me. Two hundred percent, you know. Yeah, and that's that's isn't that amazing that you let's say uh, normal society doesn't really value things like that as much as they value how many Twitter followers you have or something like that. But in the crunch moments, having someone in your corner two hundred percent is massive. Eh? And the weird thing is, you can't even prove it. You can wear a wedding ring, but you can't prove it on paper. It's no algorithm. It's just yeah. like. It's a trust thing, and it's like a faith. It's it's beautiful, yeah. really, because yeah, I don't know. There's we, we, we're going deep. Let's go to a quick break, <laughs> and uh, when we when we come back, we'll just keep talking, bro. This is yeah, really yeah. fun. Stay with us, everyone. Back with Peter in just a sec. Peter, so so you know, one thing that's captured my mind is obviously we're still in the middle of everything. Um, it's not so obvious where the future goes. I think what everyone's really realizing is that change is constant, and of course, change has always been constant. But this current system of what worked yesterday may not work tomorrow. Even as something as simple as uh, you know your favorite coffee shop or coffee shop you might not be able to go if we're back on lockdown. You know, this is change and it's rapid and we're, and I think it like, it's probably made some people hunker down in their mindset and some people flourish in other ways. And I'm trying to explore um, how I feel about that. You know, like, like one of the things that I've been thinking about and I'm keen to pick your brains is, you know, it seems that if you were in an industry which was affected, you have no choice but to grow. But if you're in an industry that wasn't affected, life's got busier for you. You've probably got a pay rise because you've found opportunity. Mm. So are we creating a divide in people's mindsets where some people think everyone believes COVID hasn't been a good thing, but people like yourself who were faced to look at the unknown and have taken that path forward I don't know what that's going to mean. What does that mean in 20 years when we talk about this idea of the, you know, like we just kind of talked about essential workers, but we never broke down what was essential. You know, it seems to me that what was essential was, well, not McDonald's, but the chemist. But what do you do with that information? You know, and I I don't really know. Uh, So I sat here and I'm like, man, I want to invest in human, you know, that's why I got yeah. into breathing. Cause I'm like, COVID yeah. attacks yeah. the respiratory system. So I will be an expert in how to build a respiratory system over the next 10 years. And I'm like, that was super obvious to me, but it's still nothing to do with my skill set. You know, I spent the last 10 years doing this stuff, creating videos and podcasts. Yeah. And now I'm like having to tell myself the story of, you know, um, Keep keep being open to that stuff. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, uh, I mean, 
are you, how are you keeping yourself um, open to what's happening? Are, are you, are you um, interacting with lots of people who didn't lose their jobs versus those who are forced into a new normal? Um, yeah, to answer that question, I think, you know, I'll go back a little bit, you know, there's a saying, um, and as humans, we default to it, right? There's a saying that goes, you know, I can only, I can only earn a life I love by doing the things I hate. So a lot of people would prefer to win at all costs doing something they hate than lose at doing something they love. And I think COVID is slowly getting, allowing people uh, to really take a second look at that. And and to answer your question, you know, when I looked at it and I goes, all right, sweet. What do I actually love doing? What do I love doing that I can actually monetize and, and create, you know, uh, and help my wife um, build a home, you know, pay the mortgage, put food on the table. What, what do I love doing? And, you know, two things I love doing. I, I love being a dad and, and a husband uh, and I love being around people. And because I, I love being a dad, that parenting skill naturally, I naturally gravitate to teaching and coaching and, and sharing my knowledge. So with that in mind, I kind of went, all right, sweet. I've, you know, I've, I've had this 20 years of, of building myself into who I am today. I'm sure I can I can actually monetize that and, and and actually help people and that's how it came about and I think you know if you actually stop for a second and go around what do I love doing you know and then start asking okay why do I want to do this okay what makes me want to what's the drive what's the purpose and I think um, for me that you know I had to really think about why I wanted to, why I wanted to do what I'm doing today. And that's the biggest thing. And I had to bring it down to that, you know, being a dad, being a husband and, and just love being around people. It's beautiful, bro. And I, the bit that always buzzes me out when I enter these moments with someone in a podcast is I'm not sure. I think people believe that's exactly what we need to do, but I'm not sure we always give ourselves permission to ask those questions. And I'm not sure that if I think about where we're playing right now, maybe on Freeview or Sky or even around a lot of other Pacific content, that there'll be that many other bits of content which ask a question as direct as you just presented an opportunity to do. What is it that you have a passion for? And what I love about what we're doing right now is let's plant that seed. Let's get your subconscious yeah. mind to think about it over your dreams tonight. You know, there is some magic stuff that happens in that subconscious. And I mean, we know it, we know it through humor, you know, the carver has a part to play in unlocking yeah. that. Yeah. I think where one area I am really excited in what we're doing collectively is, you know, the new generation the ones who are right on the edge of like, ah, it's fast is like, how do we take a bit from that, a bit from that and join them yeah. and make something awesome. And, and what I really mean by that is how do you make yourself awesome? It's something everyone, they want to be cool. They want to be awesome. Everyone wants to be awesome, but I think it's all kind of irrelevant if you don't get some fundamentals, which is what the hell do you like to do? Um, how did you know what you like to do? What was your steps into 
following your passions. And I mean, you talked a little bit about with the rugby and, you know, the engineering, but did you need a certain amount of support from people around you? Or like, I guess what I'm saying is, did, did you have space to think? Were you encouraged to think? I want to share that information so others yeah. out there watching, listening can be like, man, I can do this. Um, I think the best way to to sort of put that and wrap it up in a sentence is life is a summation of life's experience, all our experience, the journey we've taken. And a lot of people thrive in success. But I think one of the things that I've found is I kind of, I'm always trying to analyze my failures. I'm always, and I think I overthink it. And uh, some, one of the things that I think that 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 is a sort of like a superpower, mm-hmm. but also one of my downsides. You know, I I look at failures and I go, yeah, sweet. How can I fix that? Because I remember, you know, when you when you do sports or when you play your sports, um, you're always looking at how to improve, right? You're always looking at wh- what you did wrong, not what you did good because you know you you can you like i tell people um i can walk into a room and tell people how good i am you don't i don't need anyone telling me but i i, I as a default human default i can't really walk into a room and tell people what i'm doing bad or what i'm not good at mm-hmm. you know i kind of rely on feedback and i think failure is one of those things that's allowed me to really always look back and go reassess and go well how can i improve i think you know, being coming from a sports uh, background, failure was one of those things where if you had enough failures, success would come. And then like being an engineer, one of the first things you do when an airplane lands is you look for something that's wrong with the aircraft. That's your job. Your job is to make sure that the aircraft is safe. And by making sure that the aircraft is safe, you're actually looking for something that's broken on it so you can fix it so the airplane can get back up into the air. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's it. You know, the experiences that I've had along the way has allowed me to really build on that. And it, it's, uh, you just build on it. It's like, I, I kind of told a lot of young youth that I mentor, stop living life, uh, by a checklist and tick box, you know, use it like a, a pyramid, you know, like a pyramid and you have each a pyramid is like has layers to it. Right. And each layer is made up of individual blocks and life should be about building blocks and placing it. And each milestone in your life should be a layer of that pyramid completed. Then you go to the next one, you know, and then it's not until you're sort of, you know, when you punch in and it's time to sort of, uh, you know, say bye-bye to everyone. That's the capping stone on your pyramid. That's when your pyramid's finished. And I think that's, that should be the journey in life is, it's not, you know, I hear a lot of people goes, oh, the best time in my life or, you know, this is the highlight of my life. It's like, no, that's just one, one page or one layer of your pyramid finished. I'm just out on the next layer. I think that's, that's what it is. And you look at pyramids and if you look at the history of pyramids, there's a lot of failures, right? There's, there's, I mean, there's generations of, of, of failures before you, you saw a successful uh, pyramid being built. And then there's pyramid schemes, which sometimes I'm probably a part of with my breathing. And and, and I guess I want to acknowledge that because sometimes we're right on the edge, eh? You know, yeah, failure yeah. failure is the, the word itself. That means there's no guarantee. It means it yeah. hasn't worked. It's something I talk about often on the podcast that we, we love 
it. We, I think that's why we love sport. We love movies because there's always the opportunity for failure. And, and normally it's like lose, 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 lose right up until you finish and then win. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it's always like that Rocky, Indiana Jones, Superman, oh. all these big things, you know, you 100, lose, lose, lose. 100%. And, we know it and we love it because if it was win, 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 it wouldn't be fun to watch. Yet when it comes to your life, you're like, I want to just have it go perfect, you know? And, and it's a, it's a, it's a little bit freaky, but that's why we're here. We're here together <laughs> to just chill out together and be like, all right, we got this because we do got this because there is only tomorrow and the hours are going to keep ticking. So we've got to like, think about it. And, and, you know, I think that's a really, good point what what, you raised good points but the big one that i'm picking up is like what is your passion and you can write that down you can talk yourself about that you can go for a walk you can think about that um last break and we'll come back and we'll just we'll just keep going deep the deeper we go we might revert (laughs) back through the wormhole stay with us everybody back with peter in just a second Just picking up on our last segment, we talked a little bit about the pyramid and the foundation and, you know, building up on what you've got. I'll run this idea past you. I've been thinking about this idea called, well, it's it's like buffering, right? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about it in terms of a mortgage that it was quite acceptable to have a 30-year mortgage, right? That, yeah. that, would, that, that would be something that no one would really have any problems with. You just pay a mortgage yeah. off over time. The problem I have with that now is that I don't think people have an appetite to look 30 years forward. They want to look like days forward, months forward. Yeah. No one can really think 30 years forward. That has become some imaginary wobbly timeline. So yeah. I, was, I was thinking to myself, if I take that to the prism of work, we used to give ourselves like things like, well, I'll find a job. I'll, I'll like eat crap for a few years and then I will uh, have a sweet job and that'll be my job for life. And I think COVID also ripped that away. So I've been wondering what an acceptable amount of buffering would be. And I've been playing with this idea, you know, in survival, you've got the rule of threes, you know, you got yeah. um, three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without air. And I was like, well, what if you had th- three months of buffer? So what do I mean by that? Like, you know, I was telling you the tension of, side hustle versus day job or passion versus, you know, doing what I need to do. And what's your thoughts on like a bit of a a three month buffer. So that means you could save up what you, um, how much you need for three months. And then you've got three months of you time and month one might be established and outline properly what your, um, you know, your business plan, your, your passions, because it's, it shouldn't be just guaranteed that you know that, especially if you've been doing a job all your life, you know, yeah. and you don't have COVID to push you. Um, anyway, just your initial thoughts on, on the three month buffer, buffer, the, the pyramid ski by Will Fleming. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool because if you think about it, that's a quarter of the year, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a quarter of the year. And if you look at it and, and, and quarters, like, like we do in the financial world, um, you know, the first quarter is always that hard one. I think that's, I think that's a pretty cool idea, man. Well, I don't know if it is because I don't want people to try it because it's like, 
the problem is certainty. Certainty still, you've got a tough, you've got a tough, you've got to trust a lot to break the certainty. Hey? Yeah. And yeah. I try and tell myself that, well, what's the downside to certainty? Unhappiness. You know, how many relationships broke up because everyone was working? You know, a lot. And statistics tell us that, you know, it's, you're more likely to, well, I don't know if it's true, but you're more likely to break up and then it's harder to stay married. And I'm like, well, what do we do with that information? You know, I know you can go to work all day. Anyway, we probably don't need to get bogged down on that. It's, um, uh, it's something we can, look, ultimately, I'm just trying to think, it's like a brainstorming it within. Yeah. And, and also we just get to, I'll tell you where I landed on it. So I have an opportunity to potentially study next year um, with professor Schofield at AUT and he does a lot of human performance and he has been a former guest on the podcast and said, well, you've been researching this kind of stuff for years. You just do it in your podcast. How about you come and do your master's? And you be the guy that people have on their podcasts, you know, for breathing, ancestral breathing and how we breathe nasally. And I'm like, that's a good idea. But then I thought, whoa, how do I even approach that? You know, like I work, I work full time. So where I landed and, and, and this might be an interesting insight to you is I saved up so that I had enough to take one month unpaid leave. Yeah. And I cleared it with the bosses and everyone's happy. And for November, I'll be spending time with my family and spending time um, organizing what would me studying next year look like. And that's it. And making time to catch up with yourself and other people and just like creating opportunities. And I'm like, it's quite genius because all I had to do was be strict and save up enough money to cover one month. And who knows what plants I seed for my future. Yeah. You know, because we normally do it over summer, but then we're all like eating sausages and chilling out and going for <laughs> swims, and and actually businesses are closed. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it because I think because that's kind of what I'm doing any, anyway. That's why um, people ask me, oh, how do you manage? You know, how do you manage trying to do a research program, your dissertation, your consultancy work, uh, and then trying to build your clientele. And one of the things I, I always try and I, and I remain honest and religiously uh, true to it is I try and wear the one hat all the time. Mm. So whether I'm doing research, whether I'm, I'm doing um, uh, reading or whether I'm talking to a client or whether I'm meeting networking, everything feeds into each other. So I'm, I'm kind of doing my research at the same time. I'm collecting uh, information and I'm networking people and I'd be like, as soon as like, I'm like one of those people, like so, someone name drops someone, I'd be like, who's that guy? And next, within two minutes, I've got them connected on LinkedIn or yeah. I've already downloaded a book that they wrote and I'm listening to it. So to me, I, I, I don't differentiate between the work I do and the research. And I think that's why I've allowed, that's, I think that's why I was able to you know, successfully uh, get through university as a mature adult, especially in a different field from, you know, going from engineering to business, right? I think that was the key thing for me was, was that was I never had to take one hat off and put another one on. I just constantly went from one thing to another and I just used the two to overlap. And I think that buffering thing is going to work 
quite well there for you is because, you know, yeah, the first month is going to be like, okay, how do I make it work? And then I think naturally you will find that balance where actually I'm, I'm not even studying anymore. I'm just doing more podcasts and I'm just selling more ad space and I'm just earning, you know, I'm, I'm earning money as I'm talking to people and people are just giving me information that's feeding into my research and I'm getting paid to do it. So that's what I meant by like, you know, doing what you love doing and having look, seizing the opportunity to monetize it. I think that's how that buffering thing would work for you. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, no, no, I, I hear. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm. I think there's like because it can be a developing story, right? And what I always like is that. Um, and I told you when we talked on the phone, there's a large percentage of our Pacific audience who don't have reliable internet, who don't have access to you know the latest smartphones, and they're watching on Freeview. Mm-hmm. And. I, it really buzzes me out that we can offer a really high caliber conversation like this, you know, and you don't need all the bells and whistles of the latest app, mm. just, just the willingness to be open. And the opportunity might be that they can now Google you, that they can now contact me, you know, that they have yeah. access to, you know, the network that we are building and yeah. like that simple, like, you know, you talked about if I hear someone, I write their name, I connect on LinkedIn. I do the same. I did the same to you. I heard the bit that I was like, oh, that's interesting as you were like, I willingly gave up my job at Air New Zealand. And I'm like, boom. Because for me, what that service is in me is I don't come from the really tough upbringing. So why I say that is I've been kind of had to learn how to be a bit more tough. So I want to talk to people who have been through hard decisions and I don't know if everyone has, but I want to know how did you get over conflict? I call it more like maybe not conflict, but going into the unknown. And as soon as I realized that I come from ancestry of people who that was their job to, to explore, to how much do I need? Well, I heard a story from that guy. The winds are going this way. I think we'll be all right, but they never knew a hundred percent. And so what was the tools they were using, you know, and, and this is our, our, all of our learning to rediscover the bits they, that we've maybe forgotten and the bits that we're learning as we go. And um, yeah, there's something kind of cool, but I do maintain man that when it all turns to custard, we've only got each other. Right. So the more contacts you have, not the followers, like the connections, you can just, just that email, the podcast, the catch up if you can. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. Hey, uh, where can people follow you, dude? Where can people um, buy Carver from you? Uh, let's, let's promote because, right. you know, you've definitely yeah. shared a few gems with us tonight. So we want to thank you. All right. So um, on Facebook, uh, it's same Peter Elborne. Uh, people struggle with it. So it's Melbourne without an M. So Elborn. <laughs> so Facebook is Peter Elborn. Um, also with the social enterprise selling Carver and products from the Pacific. It's Pacifics. Uh, it's a play on word P A S I F I X dot shop. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook uh, Pacifics as well. Uh, and uh, professionally, I'm on LinkedIn. So I. I, I kind of taken a different spin at the moment. I'm building my brand. So I don't have a website and I use, I kind of strategically have used, am using LinkedIn as my website. 
Uh, so I put put some content on there. I, I talk about uh, stuff, stuff, some stuff I'm doing, or I just connect in with people and I engage with people. So that's my website at the moment is my LinkedIn profile. Awesome, bro. Well, Peter, thank you, man, for joining us and sharing and spending time with us. Uh, again, I look forward to chatting with you when you are the Bill Gates of the Pacific. But <laughs> right right now, you're just Peter, who's, uh, I mean, that's not a bad thing. But but look, thank you for hanging out with us, dude. And, and um, La Storia is still going. And that's the big thing I want to get through is that we're all just us and we just got to keep going, right? That's the main thing. Keep moving forward. Um, Awesome. Okay, bro. Well, thank you again. Thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you guys next time.